0: If you like Full Contact CEO, then you'll love our In Between Days Festival this August 19th and 20th at our home grounds at Veterans Memorial Stadium in Quincy, Mass. We just announced an absurd lineup of more than 20 bands over two days, including Lord Huron and Modest Mouse. Be sure to check out the lineup after you listen to this great episode and purchase tickets at InBetweenDaysFestival.com. Let's ride. Former U.S. National Rugby Team Captain. Team Captain. Head Coach and General Manager. General Manager. Now, the Co-Founder and CEO of the New England Free Jacks. Now. Now. Full Contact CEO with Alex Magleby. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining Full Contact CEO today in the new year. I'm your host, Alex Magleby i a also co-founder and CEO of the High Fly New England Jacks and Heritage Sports Ventures. Today, we continue the great tradition of having the one and only George Killebrew, Major League Rugby Commissioner, starting Full Contact CEO season, back on our first episode. With the latest MLR Season 6 just around the corner, we wanted to hear all of the awesomeness that this league has been producing and will produce in the future today. George, so good to see you. Mags, Happy New Year. Is it okay to still say Happy New Year on the third and fourth? Ooh, yeah, right. I think so. You know, we got Chinese New Year coming up. Like, kids are celebrating King's Day at their Spanish immersion school on Fridays. So I think we can just keep going. Well, I said it to someone today, and they said, you know, that's kind of over. Right. I kind of
1: thought it was okay for, like, the first week of January, but maybe I'm just politically incorrect, and it's are only supposed to say it up until, like, today.
0: George, when I see you this spring in a match, I'm going to say Happy New Year, just to you know make it all work. Yes, that makes it <laughs> you know, feel better. You always
1: make me feel better.
0: Yeah. We just finished another great MLR season. Then you had a chance to go to what, St. Andrews. You were just back from your home state in Hawaii. You ran the Navy SEALs Foundation deal. I mean, you've kind of been working really hard doing 10,000 other things and seeing the world. So when are you going to come to Boston? That's what I want to know. Well, whenever you invite me, I want to come for one of those awesome music fests. Yes, I, I particularly like the
1: '80s music, so whenever that one comes up,
0: yes, you know, I can't actually goes. announce who that is, but it's going to be amazing. Okay, it's going to actually going to actually be like an eight-bit festival. It's going to be so cool. I'm so in. Mean, anytime. Okay, where do you want to start? in The past or the future? Up to you. Well, let's look back. Okay, team on board, heading into the 2020 year, right? Yeah, so I've been in the seat for three and a half years, and we're, you know, here
1: we are at season six. And I gotta tell you, you know, for an upstart sports league to enter season six, we all should be starting to get in our grooves. We should we should understand our lanes. We should start to really see the fruits of our labor from years one through five. And I just look back at major league soccer and I remember the trials and tribulations of one through five. And then feel like they started to get their sea legs around six. A big media deal was right around the corner with them several years later. So I'm fired up. And I kind of, I get that sense when I talk to teams that everyone's kind of feeling the same way. They're, it's a little bit easier coming
0: into year six than it was for five, four, three, two, or one for sure. So hopefully that's the case throughout the league. Yeah. and And I think so. I mean, we're certainly feeling that. Finally, our performance center, we're done with the construction of it. You know, last year at this time, we had six of seven new staffs on the rugby side. Heading into this year, it's, you know, eight of 10 are, have been around. Our medical partners, you know, had a season under their belt. The academy's up and running. It's actually producing better American players that are going to college or going into the MLR, which is, which is very cool. And probably as important is we're learning actually how to share this great product much better than we did at the beginning. And I think that's probably the key. Well we'd hear from a lot of our our partners. Like, is that I mistake? gotta tell you one thing,
1: Mags. Like if you look at the history of sports and teams that win championships, one word that kind of bubbles up to the top, in my view, and that is consistency. Sometimes consistency, because it takes time for you just mentioned the staff all coming back, and you know, the medical provider is is back in the seats, and that consistency sometimes is more important than talent right? Because you're now running your system and you're, and you're comfortable in your system and you know your teammates and your coaches and your, all the other people that are involved in order to pull this thing off. And I I really, I've talked about that a lot on podcasts before. The two championships that I've been a part of, like consistency was bigger than talent. There is no question about that. Everyone kind of knew their role, knew their groove. And, you
0: know, that led to some great things. So hopefully that happens for you guys. That's great. And I appreciate that. You know, I'm Ben Darwin's work I'm from Australia, Game Line Analytics is I mean, there's data to support that on the field without a doubt. Question for you is in your, you know, vast experience in sports entertainment, does this is the same bear for the front office? Off the field, off the court? No
1: question. Nope. You just gotta get your sea legs. And you know, especially with something's at Upstart. You know, we face things in our first year here that we we now understand a lot better. And it just feels like we're we're more of a well-oiled machine still knowing that going into year six, you're going to have curveballs at the head, you know, that you weren't expecting and you got to duck out of the way up and handle. But I get that sense. I get that sense in the ownership group. I feel like everyone now is kind of settled in. They They know what it takes to be successful as a business. They know they have to pay attention to the fundamentals, not just the rugby operations. They got to look at all the mundane things that we do day to day, like ticket sales and sponsorship sales and marketing and local broadcast agreements and community relations and all those things that go into, you know, the front office of a team. And I feel like there's a more of appreciation for that today with our groups, rather than I just want to put the best team on the field and try to win the shield. Yeah. It's just so much bigger than that. I think we've turned the corner on turning this into a business, you know, and, and I can Recite, and I will if you'd like some analytics that it's not just George's opinion; they're real. You know, and one for sure is that when we got here, you know, three years ago, we've now doubled our attendance last year. So there were more people that attended an MLR match last year. You know, it doubled in size from year one, and there were seventy-five thousand new attendees. Yeah, you know, for across our, our thirteen teams. So you know, it's those kinds of things on how you grow and build a league and. And we have about 10 of those metrics we look at every day, and they're all growing. So it's a matter of what percentage are they growing to, or is that a good
0: enough percentage? How do you get it to be a larger percentage going into your since? Yeah. And I think you had to, to to the league office, especially if you look at, because the league office doesn't have that much control on the ticket buyers. And, and our experience, pandemic aside, even we've seen massive growth over the three years in, in ticket purchasers and the cost by which they're spending. And the value of their overall day, what we're providing them from a, from a programming element perspective, which is turning into additional dollars, of course, but, but from the eyeballs on television. You know, this year we went into a situation with, with Fox, particularly Fox Sports 1, some, some fantastic numbers that really put us in the wheelhouse of, of cable TV for NHL, for MLS, both of which, as we know, have very lucrative media deals. You know, the 300,000 plus national kind of TV numbers. I mean, that's real. That that is fantastic. Yeah, that's a great point because
1: you'll remember when we began our relationship with Fox Sports, it was exclusively with Fox Sports 2, with the finals being on what I call Big Fox or Fox Broadcast Sports. But what's happened over time is we, the first year we morphed about five games over from FS2 to FS1, which FS1 is a 20 million delta in households over FS2. So we're about to announce, you know, our Fox lineup for this coming year and about half of the games will move to FS1. So now we're about half and half, you know, we'll say nine or so on FS1, nine or so on FS2, and then FS1 and Big Fox in the playoffs in the finals. So that's, you know, hugely important. And to give you an idea on FS1 sports viewership last year, we had a 69% growth. We had 330,000 you know, additional households tune in. So if you're Fox and you're sitting back and looking at us, these are are the other programming. It's easy to make that decision to convert more games from FS2 to FS1 rather than the opposite. Right. Um, Hey, let's take a few of the uh, FS1 games away from them and give them to FS2. So those are all, you know, TV, of of all the indicators, all the metrics that are out there, that's one. that's really, really important because it shows, you know, the overall interest in the product. And to have those kind of growth numbers was really
0: key. Which is awesome. But at the same time, you know, kind of the vision that the league had to, to provide its own free from anywhere in the world, OTT platform, direct to consumer, you know, and through the rugby network and you know, just the number that it's been 150% subscriber growth rate, you know, season to season, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, the rugby network is the great
1: untold story that we got to tell a little better. You'll recall when we started it and we're only going into year three, kind of the goal was to get 25,000 subscribers. That's what the rugby past people told us, who's the backbone of the rugby network. And, you know, we got to that mid season. We ended the season at 50. We ended last season at 100. Now, as of today, we're at 118,000 subscribers to the rugby network. And as you know, probably more than anyone, it's not just a tool to provide our content for free to fans around the world, it's also turned into a real recruiting tool as international players can now see what's going on in MLR in years four and five, going into year six. And I get a lot of feedback from players that you know come to us and say, geez, we, we'd like to get over there and play. We're, we've been following your progress on the rugby network. And what we're seeing is the level of play in major league rugby has really grown exponentially. The level of coaching in major league rugby has grown exponentially. And and actually the level, the level of officiating has grown as well. So some of these international players that are watching us from afar are using that tool to get familiar with us, and then calling guys like you and saying, hey, do you have a, a spot for me? I want to get yeah. over to the U.S.
0: Exactly. hundred percent. It's just a great opportunity to democratize the game in the United States, which has been really hard to access, no question. And while that's been happening, you know, we had a sports network provider the last couple of years that we changed this year that didn't require us to have the blackout on the rugby network and rugby network's growing. And at the same time, you know, our eyeballs locally are going up 150% on our RSN, which is very cool to see that. that it's not, it's not mutually exclusive and like together. So there it can grow. So, so TV numbers despite ourselves sometimes have been, have been really good. What I mean by that is some of our productions, mine included, haven't been what we want it to be yet. You know, we're not yet great at really telling the stories. We're getting better. But despite that, there is engagement. People really like to see this product. What else, kind of looking back to the last few years, have we done well that we're pretty proud of, that you're pretty proud of under your leadership? Well,
1: really, I mean, you're, you're kind of hitting on it. You know, you were, I remember you, being brand new at this and asking a lot of business questions. Obviously you have the rugby chops, but asking a lot of sports business questions. And now you're, you're, you're solving your own problems. You just said, you know, geez, our our production a couple of years ago was not great. We're making changes. It's still not where we want to be, but we're getting feedback. We got to be better at storytelling. It's like, it's kind of like osmosis. Like we've been preaching the gospel now on really how you run the sports business side for three years. And so you're either paying attention. You know and, and taking it inside and then coming and figuring it out and coming out better or you're not right and yeah. you know our one of our biggest challenge is storytelling we, we've got all these really colorful characters and flamboyant players that is just great television it's great social media it's great all of that these are some of the most entertaining athletes i've ever been around hands down right so now it's up to us to give to you know to have platforms for our fans to get to know them the way we know them. And, and we were not very good at all in year one because we were so worried about just kind of getting, you know, our rugby on television or on the rugby network and, and getting it right, getting the production right so people can follow the rugby piece. But now I'll really tell them, especially on your RSN, you know, relationship and even the NBA feels this way about RSN relationships. It's a storytelling blessing. Like, you know, it's not about the hardcore rugby. It's about let's develop a story that we can, you know, develop all year long about the Free Jacks and have fans really start to buy in because now they know the players, they have relationships with the players and the teams. So the quick pro quo is you got to come, you're going to come and you're going to support the players that you know, and you know things about, and you have a semi relationship with. And if you don't do that, how do you expect fans to relate? You know, it's just too hard to expect they to come to one match and kind of see what's out there and, you know, have a, a hook. You got to have these hooks. And that's where the storytelling and the, and the flamboyance and the color of our sport, and not just our players, but our traditions and everything else is our best asset.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And you said on our, in our first podcast, talking about just the players being in the community and how important that is. And example from soccer back in the day in Dallas when you were involved and just some of those players were out teaching in the PEs and teams and we're starting to see that now where our players you know 500 kids a week are getting introduced to rugby and PE curriculums throughout greater Boston and those kids now are starting to say oh well I want to come to a game and they get a a card like a baseball card of the player and a QR code to get that player's discounts now it can track is that having an impact when they show up they can be a part of the grubber club and You know, they get to do run around and throw a ball through nets and all the fun stuff that kind of you elucidated on at the very beginning of this process, which is cool to see it now starting to play out. Well, it's the number one building block, right? So if you're going to start from
1: scratch and and open your stadium for the first time and fan number one comes through, you want it to be 2,000 kids, you know, who come with, you know, someone that drove them or a buddy next door, you know, that's your bedrock because they set the tone for the atmosphere as well you have them lining the fences and they have their guy or guys that they want to cheer for and they're wearing that guy's jersey and they're chanting his name because he's their coach he's teaching them how to play the game or he's been to their school as part of a clinic or what have you and you know that's the bedrock you know and we're starting to really get a lot better at that because if you can check those boxes then you don't have to worry so much about how you fill the scene because you have your bedrock you know your your, your hardcore fan your kids your clubs your 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 academy teams that are going to be there they're, they're there to ride or die right you know they're they're every, you know there's only eight patches so i'm coming to all of them you know you're my
0: guys and you set the tone so i mean it's just crucially important so and we, we talked a bit about audience numbers on tv audience numbers ticket buyers social media we've seen massive social media growth to the point now that some of our channels free jacks new york and a few others are actually becoming their own influencers you know making money the, as, as a, in its own media channel. So audience growth, you know, yes. then there's always pressure. Look, like we need to make money now. We need to monetize that through sponsorship and everything else today. Have we seen that type of growth on the sponsorship side? You know, I think at the team
1: level, yes. You know, I'll give you an idea We're, you know, commercially at the league, you know, when we, when we kick it off here coming up pretty soon, we should be up about 40% in revenue. We're going to add a partner that we're going to announce next week, Wednesday, in the outdoor lifestyle brand category. Super excited, which is 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 totally great, right? So, you know, are we killing it? I don't I don't think so yet. But you know that you have to do those other things by like filling stadiums and, and showing kind of the grassroots growth before maybe some of those bigger dollars come. But again, you know. A 42% increase from where we ended last year to where we're going to begin this year is great. And then we've studied other kind of leagues like USL, where we're we're kind of under the covers with them a little bit on their numbers and sharing some things there. And we're right where we should be from a league revenue for being only five years old, going into year six. But that is that is probably the biggest revenue opportunity at the league level is to grow that on top the number one opportunity is, is expansion fees. Yeah. So expansion fees. Sponsorship revenue, and then eventually, when somebody wakes up, hopefully it's Fox and says, "Man, we got to write these guys a big check and lock them up." You know, those are your three big revenue opportunities with the league
0: level. Yeah, I mean, a couple really important pieces there. Where a lot of the the MLR is now using Relo Metrics have been a great partner of the Freejacks last couple of years, and data driven, we can demonstrate we're returning a four x return on investment for our sponsors, just even digitally, let alone you know, activation, emotion, brand, all those kind of things, you know? So the Deltas of the world and other blue chip brands who've been with us kind of from the beginning, who just kind of were dipping their toe and are coming back on multi-year agreements being like, you're creating this amazing community of friendship, really. It's like, now they're like friends and you see founding members who are bringing new people and meeting other people in the stands and they're friends. Like they're, they know each other's kids now and things that, you know, didn't happen. So I think it's, we're, we're seeing that at the, at the local level, hands down, no question. Well, and that's why data matters. You know, and you guys are very, and you've been one of the leaders
1: in this league, realizing that you shouldn't just sit around in a room with six people and go, what do you think? Or, well, my gut is this. I think this, my gut is this. And you're like, for, for you know, for God's sake based on what, Yeah. based on yeah. what? So Relo, you know. The three things it does, it does a lot of things great, but one thing you go to a, a, an indigenous partner like Delta, they just dip their toe in it, said, okay, fine, you know, we'll, we'll throw you a bone. Now we're able to go to them. So the decision maker at Delta who has a boss, you know, say, he says to the boss or she says to the boss, Hey, just so you know, we started here, but here's the, the analytics and the data that tells you we're getting 4 back. And then the boss goes, okay yeah keep going <laughs> and then you try to chip it up and go hey you know i know you started here let's try to get here from an investment level we'll add a couple of things here and you know you, you get that trust because it's not just gut reaction and opinion that sponsorship works it's actually data
0: yeah which is awesome we we got a global game that really hasn't been professionalized in the united states historically okay so that's awesome so we have this global game rugby world cup largest you know, number of attendees per match, bigger than the Soccer World Cup. We, you know, we have a a championship that's right in this wheelhouse of after the winter, spring sports end, before the kind of the fall sports start. You know, it's it's, an amazing window that, you know, is kind of ours in a lot of ways, kind of end of June, early July. That's that's fantastic. We've seen, you know, a lot of audience growth. People are trying to pay attention to that. I think one of the ways this is playing out now is we're seeing, you mentioned expansion. And, you know, not only we have these great new partners coming through Chicago, there'll probably be others around the corner here. When you look at the expansion fees to join our league, people are like, wow, I'm actually still, it's still a great buy. But our, I mean, our compound annual growth rate there is like 70% compared to MLS and USL, you know, that's 30% to 50%. So we're actually from a numbers perspective, even on that side, on an investor standpoint into this league and being a part of a new city. It's a massive growth. Yeah.
1: I mean, Chicago, the Chicago house are a great example. We've been working on that literally for about three years. And sometimes, you know, it takes that long to bring something to closure. You have to find the right investors. You have to find the right facility, which you guys now have been through and you found your home, you know? So it's just not like you write a check and join a league where you got to put together a great staff. You have to put together a great business plan. You have to figure out, where are you in the youth rugby in that city? And how are you going to bring them all into the fold and grow them? So it's like, it's not a magic wand kind of thing, but you know, with Chicago and the announcement we'll be making here, you know, for a team that's gonna join in 2024, those are processes. You know, now if you're gonna join MLS, for example, you know, they're only gonna take one or two, we're probably only gonna take one or two, but you've got 29 years of history. Yeah. You, know, you know, in the MLS case, to know exactly what you're getting into but you know we have raised our expansion fees exponentially because you know if you look at our growth pattern seven teams nine teams 12 teams we take a dip to 13 we're back to 12 then out back to 13 and taking dips are, are okay those are okay things to talk about you know it's not it's not a black mark sometimes it just doesn't work for whatever the reasons are but you know to continue to bring in people great you look at chicago and the other group we're going to announce they're very well capitalized they're long-term players they get it they're great markets i mean you look at chicago illinois i couldn't think of a better market that we're currently not in that we're about to be in yeah and they're going to be playing in an mls stadium one that was built for an mls team turned up leaving and going to soldier field which is okay yeah that's a beautiful facility right so that's a first-class facility and half the time when we talk to cities about expansion they don't, you know, in the first call or so, they don't have a facility they could play in. Oh, we could go up the street and play in the high school for, you know, a thousand people. That doesn't cut it. Not at these investment levels. You guys were there. Yeah, you know, so you, you take your steps. And then as you get better in your facilities, you know, you're attracting better ownership groups and you raise expansion fees. So we raise the price of poker. We don't want people coming in and playing in high school stadiums. We want to be professional. We want the broadcast out of Chicago to look great. And we know playing out of an
0: MLS stadium, they will look great. Yeah, it'll be great. And that's that's a great venue. We played, we hosted a New Zealand Maori there a a couple of times. It's a a lovely setup. It'll be great for growing the game here in North America. Super excited about the expansion announcement coming up. Obviously can't take into that too much, but I think the the overall thing is not only these great cities, but they're great people coming on board and joining joining our board as, as, as co-owners in this whole thing, which is- well, right.
1: The last thing I'd say about that is there were three groups who were interested in Chicago. And, and they, they never combined efforts. They, they all had their separate you know trials, tribulations, pros and cons, and this group won out. The city we're about to announce, we had three groups. And you were a part of it. You had to sit back. You got to meet them and decide which partner we thought was going to do the best job for ML, for MLR. We have never been in that situation before. Never. Right. There's been one group in one city that wanted to bring MLR to their city. We worked with them. If they could meet our five criterion, we selected them and off we went. I think the announcement of the world cup coming in 2031 for the men and 2033 for the women has awakened this community a little bit of those that think they may want to own a franchise. They see the runway. They see the prize at the end of the tunnel, and we are seeing MLR in the quality of groups that are coming to
0: us, talking about joining our league. hundred percent, and it's a great buy for them today relative to what it's going to be. I think that's the, people are starting to see. Speaking of World Cups, you know, the U.S. men not qualifying for France, you know, rumors around about relationships, MLR to blame, people upset, like what? What's the relationship like with USA Rugby and MLR right
1: now? You know, it's, it's good. It's, you know, they're having a lot of challenges, obviously not qualifying was a huge gut punch, but what has to happen is regardless of the stakeholder in rugby in North America, we have to get on the same page and there's going to be give and take. There's no doubt about it. You know, I, after hearing kind of the way they they do things and how the, the team comes together plays for a while and it goes off and competes against nations whose team plays together year round like i don't care what sport it is that is really really hard to do to gain back to what we talked about earlier to gain consistency you know to gain to gain harmony and and to gain cohesion so you know things are going to have to change on this runway we we have this opportunity we've already been awarded the golden goose we have eight years to get it right between now and then. Now, hopefully, we get it right before then. But you know, the Eagles have, have got to be competing at the highest level, and it's in all of our best interests collectively to figure out how we do that with USA
0: Rugby and the other stakeholders. Yeah, and it, and credit to MLR, even during a pandemic, you know, three hundred plus. You know, Americans were playing professional rugby for more than six months a year, and many of them in situations where they could do that the entire year. MLR paid for a big portion of that qualifying tournament that not very many people know about. And it's um, you know, the, we're all in on this thing. And we want a very successful men's national team and a very successful women's national team. And we need to continue to grow how we do that latter part and, and help in that regard and help the union and you know, help a lot of the stakeholders build this thing. Yeah, so I think the going point is it's not mutually exclusive. It's not either or. I think it's it's both.
1: It can't be. I mean, it can't be. There are no winners in
0: that. If we just if we
1: get tribal and just care about MLR, that's that's not a win. You know, it's when when the Eagles don't qualify, that's an L for MLR too. So, but to your point, you know, you look at that game that we did with the Eagles and the All Blacks in, in FedEx Field in Washington, where there were. 40,000 fans in the stands, every one of those players that competed for the Eagles that day played for the MLR at some point. So, you know, yeah, we're, we're doing our part. We're we're providing to your point, these, these American players, the opportunity to play rugby at the highest level in North America. So we're doing our part, but we got to do more because if, if we win and they lose, it's an overall L right (laughs) when the world cup does come in 2031. You know, we won't we won't jinx ourselves with saying what round the Americans will still be in, but they're going to be they're going to be in it, and and they're yeah. going to be formidable. And there's it was the greatest call to look at is Japan. You know, that was a disaster before they were awarded the World Cup on the field and got their acts together and came together and got deep in the tournament. So it's not like it can't be done. It can be done, but the work starts now.
0: Yeah, it has been starting. Yeah, for sure, I, I, absolutely, and, I, and just to be fair to kind of usa rugby and the national team and when we came out of the 2015 world cup within two months they were starting test matches they played you know five six matches that winter of 2016 and every year we're averaging you know 12 to 14 test matches a year and that team because of that was very good uh and that was outside of their club professional seasons or amateur but with the pandemic you know there were there were just no test matches for this team and then They weren't able to get together. And the exact opposite happened for the Uruguay's and Chile's of the world. During the pandemic, they all stayed home. Nobody was playing in Europe. They all, you know, were together in their semi-pro and pro comp down there. And, you know, in a short-term competition right after that, you know, consistency and cohesion is a really important piece, as you mentioned at the early part of the the podcast. The fun part now, what a favorite moment of the last few years, MLR, besides coming to Quincy veterans Memorial and helping us inaugurate our great venue.
1: You know, I think my favorite role Mag, is I really enjoy the drafts.
0: I really enjoy, you
1: know, seeing the completion of, you know, a pathway of a youth player to an academy player, to a collegiate player, to calling his, you know, his name, you know, to play in the MLR and just, you know, the, the athletes that we bring in for that, just seeing the impact and the emotion. For them, you know, to complete their pathway
0: to me is really, really rewarding. Yeah. And then in their rookie seasons, having stellar, you know, performances. I think mean, that's a really awesome thing. That's really it. least favorite part. Oh, when people misbehave and you have to
1: put on your. You You're talking head. about owners. Or
0: this, this, I, this goes you know, for everyone.
1: Yeah. I'm not really you. I don't think I've ever had hard, harsh words with you, but. Yeah. You have to put your bad cop commissioner hat on and extract teams from the playoffs or kick players out for, for violations. I mean, it's just not the good part of the job. I think you you see it in sports in general, whether you're Roger Goodell, Adam Silver, or George Killebrew, there's there's a real negativity to the commissioner's role these days in professional sports. time you see Goodell or Silver on television, someone's done something wrong or something has gone wrong. And that's not the way it used to be. So Hopefully, you know, as we get older and better and wiser, we make less of those kind of errors where the
0: league office or the commissioner has to step in yeah. and it's all positivity. Yeah. And the systems are mature enough to manage it. So it doesn't happen. You know, I think that's where we're getting to, which is really, really good. Looking ahead, you know, season six, what are you most excited about? Really glad. Was, besides coming to watch the freedom. Besides season, coming to Boston, to
1: Quincy. Which I feel like I know more about just spending my time there with you and the opportunity city of presidents. I mean, it's a city of generals. Yeah. I mean, what, 100,000 people live in Quincy? Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Man, I, I still have my Quincy knowledge. Plus, you know, that that stadium I just had so much potential. Now I saw it on day one where it's just, you know, a stadium that had great bones, but got yeah. a new video board. It got, yeah. Uh, so I can't wait to see what, what you guys have done. Electric. Yeah. So that aside, I would say I'm really excited to bring Chicago to fruition in a great sports city and see them compete. And and I just feel like, you know, systems is a really good word. I feel like our systems are better, so much better today than they were last season, the year before, or the year before. I think we're ready to really enter the year, ready to fire on all cylinders.
0: Yeah, that's super exciting. I think that, that, co- that cohesion and consistency is going to start coming to bear. We're, and we're seeing the growth already. So it's, no, it's just exponential in a, in a really good way which that means for us is providing more opportunities for kids to be exposed to the game and more people to have opportunities to meet new friends and uh, you know be introduced to this great game and this great experience i think that's the, the mlr experience is, is amazing for that and it's going to be a great vehicle for people to effectively have better lives you know bring more joy which is really really cool
1: awesome that gets led just before you jump to the next you know, the last word you use is really what sports is supposed to be about. Supposed to be bringing joy into people's life. It's supposed to be escapism. It's supposed to be, you know, I go to a match and this is why live entertainment can't just get the same experience by watching on television. You know, the live experience, if it is good and great, you can't replace because all of a sudden you find yourself high-fiving a guy in next to you or in front of you that you don't even know. When you're celebrating the same things with this community that becomes yours and whatever your problems are coming into that stadium um that you may have to start facing when you leave that stadium again you forget about for a couple hours and you have good food you have good beverages you have good entertainment you have a good video board you have a good community you have a good match with athletes that are un- unbelievably fit and and athletic you know and that's what it is you're supposed to be bringing joy and you watch sports these days and Man, nothing, oh, again, yeah. geez, what's going on in the NFL right now is tragic. tragic. But, you know, I keep the TV on in my office pretty much all day. And ESPN all day long is dealing with that tragedy. It is a tragedy. You know, but, man, what, you know, let's, you know, hopefully the, the, the young man is going to be okay. They're, they're scrolling some things earlier that he's doing better. And there's And But, you know, geez, that's, that's what we're supposed to be about. Let's bring joy to people's lives and create new friends and create a new community that you fit into regardless of who you are. And you come together eight times a year, or maybe more. In the Free Jacks case, if they go deeper, yeah. And
0: you know, I'm just hang out all the time, anyway. So it's... there you have
1: it. Yeah. Right? Or in your case, you develop a community that's coming to your concert series yeah. and coming to the other events in the stadium. That's even better. It's even sweeter, right? Wow. So you're doing great things there, Mags. Really, you're setting set the tone for some of these other teams that are still really solely focused on rugby. We don't want you to not be fully focused on rugby, but we want you to turn into an entertainment company. Because we want people, to ha- we want to have something for everyone to come. And if rugby's not their thing, that's okay. Maybe they still come once or twice, because they're coming for concerts, coming for festivals, whatever the reason is, that facility becomes their home away from home. And those people that attend in that facility
0: become their family away from family. that's right. the goal. And then we're tricking them into liking rugby because then they see it. <laughs> whatever it takes. That was the cool thing about in between days, the team was on the, in a tent and they were, people would walk by didn't know anything about rugby. And suddenly now we get this whole nother intimate marketing opportunity with a demographic that really wasn't connected to, rugby. you know, on, on the, on the, the rugby side right now on the Freejack side, you know, it's 60% male and on the festival side, it's 60% female. And it was, it's awesome to, you know, c- cross collaborate those, those demos for sure. Well, that that's huge because we ask players to do things on game day.
1: Pre-game, would you do this? Post-game, would you do this? Like, that's in their work day. But if you can get them out of the stress of the workday and put them in something like a festival, they can just not be in a hurry more than anything and not be doing it late at night or before the game, and they can just interact. I mean, you have a captured audience to do that however many times a you're going to be doing it there. And that's invaluable because we know when we can expose these players as the people they are and not the athletes they are, they're almost more attractive. Yeah, Because they're fascinating. Like They're, they're just interesting people. you know? yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's the beauty of having those marketing opportunities that the focus isn't the Freejacks. Freejacks are a part of it because it's in the stadium, but people get to
0: really learn in real time who they are as people. Well, well said. Last question. You're in my shoes. What are you focused on? Well, you guys are poised to take the next step
1: competitively. I don't typically talk about things like that because... I don't really care. I don't have a dog in the hunt, but you guys have done a nice job of getting better each year and knocking on the doorstep next year. So it'll be interesting to see if you can break through and at the same time still living and breathing all the things you and I have talked about for three right. years. Like that is the important piece of this league. If we had, you know, all of our teams hitting on all cylinders in all those areas that you and I talk about all the time and the team is competitive and doing, you know, decently,
0: that's a win but you know for you guys in particular be interesting to see if you take the next step yeah no i appreciate that yeah. i mean i love that and I, and I understand that the league at the end of the day it's it's about 500 you know you have the exact same number of wins and losses and every year there's going to be a champion we're all working really hard to to be that and that's really important for us that rugby engine end of the day it doesn't take away from the fact that more importantly is bringing joy to people and winning helps that it can help that it can be a lubricant if you will but at the end of the day we're building a better community so i think that's a really key part so good to see you thank you very much everybody out there thanks for listening to the first episode of full contact ceo season four we've got an upcoming slate of amazing and exciting guests like the commissioner tune in be sure to follow us on instagram and twitter and Please share this, and we have a slate of amazing announcements coming out. A lot of work that the league's been doing, and here at, at Free Jacks HQ for the 2023 season, which is crazy. It's awesome. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Best of luck. We'll see you. At, see you, in Boston. With a new season of Full Contact CEO comes a new season for the high-flying Free Jacks. This March 11th, we mark the Free Jacks home opener with our St. Paddy's Stout Festival. It's going to feature local rugby clubs as the curtain raisers, plenty of tasty treats, Celtic folk music, and of course, our very own Free Jacks will take on our buddies from D.C. Old Glory. Get your tickets at FreeJacks.com. Let's ride.